Well, I know it is a beautiful fall day, and it is a very rare day in, in the history of our world. Yesterday was as well. It is a very rare day indeed. It does not come along often. It is a day today, as it was yesterday, where Boston Red Sox fans are actually cheering for the Yankees. It is a good day of love and peace, and we all just care and love for one another, and we're all on the same page. It's a beautiful day. Well, if you could just stay with me just a few more moments. I know it's a beautiful day, and uh, you want to get out, and there are many things on your plate, but we've just sang a song, I've Decided to Follow Jesus, and in my previous messages, we've talked about deeper discipleship, and that if we are called to be citizens of the kingdom of God and called to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, if you are one that says you have decided to follow Jesus, Uh, We must go to deeper levels of discipleship. It's not just about having our sins forgiven. It's just about about being saved or getting to heaven for all eternity. It's about living in a way that lives with the values of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Those values are lived out in these texts that we see that Jenny read this morning. And before I look into that text a little more, I just want to say, when we gather together for chapel, it is a time of corporate worship. And many of us come from different churches and different traditions and different cultures. And we really do try our best to make sure all cultures and traditions are represented. Uh, Sometimes that is through dance, like I heard Cynthia did last week and did a wonderful job. And she's willing, if there are other uh, young ladies here that want to be part of dance ministry, she's willing to help with that and sponsor that. I guess if some of you guys want to be a part of that as well, that's an option we could consider as well. Others, you will see, will have a painter here later in the semester who, while he is speaking, will have a large canvas, uh, three feet by six feet, and he will paint while he is sharing the message of Jesus Christ. That is an act of worship. And though it may not be something that you're used to, we must respect and honor it. The hymns that we have just sung today remind us of the history of the Christian church, and that is why we must never dismiss the hymns. We must sing the songs that those sang that came before us. And uh, I thank, I'm just so thankful for Dr. Brandis and Rick leading in those hymns. And doesn't Rick have a beautiful voice? And Dr. Brandis can really jam on the organ, I think. He does a great job. So in Matthew 16, the first time I spoke in chapel this semester, we talked about deeper discipleship. The disciples were coming to a deeper understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And so if you are a follower of Christ, I ask that uh, as we go through these texts that you pay attention because I think the Lord wants to challenge you as well. For those of you who have not sang that last verse of the song we just sang, I will decide now to follow Jesus, we ask that you just listen to the challenge that I am putting out before those who are followers of Christ. And I ask that you hold us accountable. I ask that you hold us accountable that we truly live the faith that we are proclaiming when we gather to sing and the faith we are proclaiming when we read His Word. So we know about deeper discipleship in Matthew 18. To be part of the kingdom of heaven, we must be a forgiving people. When I hear Jesus talk about the kingdom of heaven and the economy of God's kingdom and how everything is reversed, the last shall be first, the weak are strong, it's when we're poor that we're rich. When I hear about that, I often think of acts that we are supposed to do, and we should. We should be citizens of the kingdom and how we live our daily lives. But when it came to forgiveness, and in this text today, it really talks about a personal way of living that affects the, affects the entire community. So we are to be a forgiving people. God has forgiven us much, and we must forgive others. So if you really want to be a citizen of God's kingdom and not just be one who just has your sins forgiven and you're in heaven and it's all good, God tells you to forgive others in the same way Christ has forgiven forgiven us. And now we have this interesting parable where, again, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. 
the kingdom of heaven is like, and he goes into this parable of a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers in the vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius, which is a fair day's pay, that was a fair day's wage, they go out, and then again at the third, sixth, ninth hour, and then an hour before the end of the day, he goes out and continues to call more workers. And he pays them the same rate. And not only that, Jesus then says, the foreman called the people that went out into the field last. So let's say the end of the day was 6 p.m. and they got to the field at 5. At 6 p.m., the foreman called them in first and paid them the same day's wage as those who went out early in the day. This parable is not necessarily about uh, economy or economics or what is fair and right. This parable really is about, are we grateful? Are we a grateful people for what God has done for us? Are you truly thankful for all that God has done for you? I know life is challenging. I know we have experiences in life that are difficult. I know that we have, as we already prayed this morning, loved ones and friends that are really going through difficult times and that is uh, heavy on our hearts and on our lives. But are you truly thankful? Are you truly grateful for all that God has done for you? See, I think we believe in grace in theory, but we struggle with it when it comes to put it into practice. Many of you struggle to forgive yourselves for things. You will not receive the grace of God. You believe it. You've heard it from Sunday school to church. But you just cannot accept the grace of God in your life. And some of you really struggle with it. You believe it in theory in your mind, but you have a hard time truly grasping it. I would also say that we struggle with grace when we see others receive the grace of God and at times we become jealous. We see God's blessing being poured out into their life and we get jealous and and we, we become bitter and angry and say, why are you blessing them so much? I've been out in the field since the first hour. They came out at the tenth hour. Why are you blessing them the same amount? Shouldn't I get a little more, Lord? See, we believe in grace and theory, but when it comes to putting it into practice, we struggle. And why do we automatically think that we were one of those workers that were out there the first hour? Why do we automatically think that we were one of the workers that went out the third hour and were there all day? I'm starting to believe that all of us are the tenth hour workers. All of us. And we must be grateful and thankful for all that God has done for us. An illustration from my own life that helps articulate this. And anytime I use an illustration from my own experience, I hope you've noticed I'm never the hero. I'm never the one who did it right. I'm always learning, and it's confessional in nature, and so is this. As we were beginning our church on Long Island, there were some ups and downs, and it was such a struggle. And we had been there for five years, and we thought we had this building, and the building fell through, and we didn't get it. And this another young pastor my age was an associate pastor at a church a few miles away, and he decided to take a group of young people from that church, 200, and they started a church, and they were able to purchase a building. And after a year, the church was running 400. And after five years, our church was running 40. And he had a full-time job at the church. The church could pay his salary. He had a staff. They had a church building. All within a year, this happened. And here we are struggling for five years just to survive. And I was acting like the workers this first hour. Lord, I've been out here longer. We've been working harder. This is not fair. Why does the grace and the blessings, why does it seem to go to them and not us? And I found myself being critical of them in everything that they did. Their style of worship, the way he preached, uh, the way they went about their ministry. I would be critical, oh, they're just more about marketing and they're not truly about being the church. And I found myself being critical in my spirit. See, we must be critical in our thinking, but not critical in our spirit, as I said time and time and time again. And I came to the understanding that I was sinning. If I could not truly celebrate, if I could not truly be thankful for what God has done through True North Christian Church, 
then why should I expect God's presence and blessings to be in my life? I needed to truly celebrate. A church of Jesus Christ was growing and thriving, and I'm bitter and angry. I was like the workers in this first hour. Why can't we truly celebrate for others? Why do we view churches as competitors? Why do we view brothers and sisters in Christ as competitors? Why do we get more joy and satisfaction out of seeing them struggle or stumble or sin than we get out of seeing them succeed and thrive in life? Jesus calls us to be a grateful and thankful people, for that is the way the kingdom of heaven is viewed. We must be grateful and thankful for all that God has done for us. I had a pastor friend on Long Island, uh, uh, Reverend uh, Lynette Holloway, a graduate of ENC, and I saw her at a conference one day, and I knew she was going through so much. She was taking on the leadership of a small, struggling church. And, she was overwhelmed with the work and I knew her mother's health was failing and she was also providing care for her mother. I knew she had to work a job in the evening. She was bivocational like myself, but she chose to work the 11 o'clock to 7 a.m. shift in a call center. And I prayed for her often and was worried about her. And I saw her one day and I said, Reverend Holloway, how are you doing? And she had this beautiful smile on her face and I'll never forget how she responded. She said, I am blessed and highly favored. I am blessed and highly favored. And I stood there and thought, how can you say that? Where does that come from? To to be able to proclaim in all that you're going through and all the struggles to say, I am blessed and highly favored. Do you realize that you too are blessed and highly favored? That God's grace and blessing has been shed abroad in your life? And are you grateful and thankful for it? Or do you spend more time being critical of others than you do spending time giving praise to God for all that He has done in your life? So the question I had as I was reading through this text over and over again, and I have a journal where on every verse I'm writing questions and putting things down and just kind of, even before I go to the commentary and study, just trying to look at it from different perspectives. How would you look at the text? How do I look at the text? And I kept coming back to this question. How do we become a grateful people? How do we become a grateful people where we truly can say, no matter what the day, I am blessed and highly favored? where we truly can be thankful for all that God has done for us, where we can look to another church or ministry, where we can look to a co-worker, a colleague, or another brother and sister in Christ, a fellow student, and be more thankful and grateful for all the blessings God has bestowed in their lives instead of being, instead of being critical of them. How do we become a grateful people? I'm not sure I have all the answers to that, but I think it's similar to what I said about forgiveness two weeks ago. Forgiveness is a journey. For some situations, we can forgive in a moment and we can forgive that person and all is forgotten and and we move on. But then other things that have happened to us, at times the way people have hurt us, sometimes that requires a forgiveness journey, if you will. God just asks us to take one step at a time and maybe not fully arrive and be fully forgiven, but at least moving in the direction of forgiveness. Can I suggest to you this morning that maybe that's the same way we need to become a people that are truly grateful? We must go on that journey of being grateful. We must create spiritual disciplines in our lives where we truly try to say, Lord, I am thankful for this today. I am thankful for what you've done for us. I'm thankful for the gift of another day. It certainly begins this journey with a prayer of repentance. I needed to apologize. I needed to ask for forgiveness. Now, I did not go to the pastor because he didn't know I was bitter and angry. And I didn't go to him and say, "Uh, Pastor Bart, I just want to let you know I... uh, I, I, I'm sorry all that I did to you and all, I apologize for the bitterness I had in my heart and all of that stuff. I think there's a time and a place for that. It wouldn't have been at that point, I don't think, because he didn't know what was going on. 
And I truly began to be able to support for him and go to his Sunday night services. And I truly came to the point where I could truly celebrate all that God was doing in their church. So maybe for you, if you really want to be a grateful person, a person that's grateful for all that God has done, maybe it has to begin with a prayer of repentance. Lord, I'm sorry I've been so critical against my brother or my sister. I'm sorry I've been critical towards my mother or my father or my family and not be able to truly celebrate all that you are doing in their lives. I'm convinced a life of gratitude and thankfulness truly is a journey. The decision is, the question is, will you go on that journey? Do you truly want to be a person of the kingdom of heaven that is truly grateful for all that God has done for us? Richard Foster in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, writes this. The decision to set the mind on the higher things of life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline. It is not something that falls on our heads. It is the result of consciously choosing a way of thinking and living. When we choose this way, the healing and redemption in Christ will break into the inner recesses of our lives and relationships, and the inevitable result will be that we are people of joy and gratitude. It is the result of consciously choosing a way of thinking and living. Have you ever been around people that are just bitter and depressed all the time? I'm not talking about clinically depressed. There are, there are illnesses where people are sick and they need help and counseling, and, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that just see everything negative, everything negative, and become bitter. And Be careful about hanging around such people too often. I want us to choose to live a way where we are truly thinking and living in a way that is grateful to God. It may have been in the midst of this journey where I was coming to uh, be thankful for True North Church. I was even bitter about their name. Our, our name was North Shore Church of the Nazarene, and they were True North. And I'm like, oh, why do they got to steal the North theme from us? I mean, I was even bitter about their name. And it may have been around that time that um, I heard a great, powerful theologian say, I was watching my daughter in the mornings, um, and so I heard a powerful theologian on television one day say, um, at the end of each day, write down five things you're thankful for. And I'm so thankful for that theologian, Oprah Winfrey, for sharing that, because, because, and I'm not a member of Church Oprah, um, and I'm, but that was good advice. That was good advice. Consciously choosing a way, remember. We're consciously choosing a way of thinking and living, Remember. And so I think it was probably around that time that my wife and I decided at the end of each day we will say five things that we are thankful for. At the end of the day we will make a conscious decision to be people of the kingdom of heaven, though we didn't put it in terms like that at that time. In fact, even studying this text is why I came to understand it better. Five things that we're thankful for. Can I encourage you to do the same? Not because it was from Church Oprah. But simply, I want us to continue to be choosing ways of thinking and living where we become a grateful people. I mean, if that's what the kingdom of heaven, if that's what the people of kingdom of heaven are supposed to be about, then we should be practicing that. We should be moving in that direction. There are other things we do. We gather together as a community of faith, certainly here in chapel, but we must be part of a church community as well, for that is an act of gratitude, the fact that we have the privilege and blessing of gathering together and some of you come from traditions where you celebrate the Eucharist every single day, and that's a beautiful way of giving thanks and being grateful for all that God has done for us. So be part of a community of faith and truly take that journey of choosing to think and live in a way where you are grateful. 
Finally, as the workers of the first hour said, we have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. Here's where my thinking has changed a little in the last week. The workers in the vineyard seemed to think that the work of God's kingdom, if you will, was a burden. They seemed to think that working in God's vineyard, if you will, was a burden. Now, to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven and to be his disciples, he calls us to advance his kingdom. And that is challenging. That is difficult. That is exhausting at times. But it also brings a peace that surpasses all understanding. We come to the understanding that it is not about us. It is about the light of Christ that shines within us. And I promise you there is no better way to live than to live a life of deeper discipleship where we are a forgiving people and we are a grateful people. My wife's uncle is somewhat of a celebrity in the medical field. His name is David Nash, and he's currently the longest living liver transplant survivor. It may be going on 20 years. It's well over 15 years. There was an injustice while he was on the waiting list, in my opinion. Mickey Mantle at that time was also experiencing liver, liver failure. Because we all love the Yankees today, I feel it's okay to use the Yankees illustration. Mickey Mantle, a New York Yankee Hall of Famer, was experiencing liver failure at the same time David was. But because of who he was, and because of his notoriety, he was moved to the top of the list. Right to the top. The moment he needed a liver transplant, he was able to receive one. It was an injustice because of who he was, his stature and honor. At Mickey Mantle's funeral, as I was watching on TV one day, Bobby Richardson was sharing the prayer that he prayed with Mickey at, the end, at his bedside just a few days before he died. And Mickey Mantle received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior that day at his bedside. I'm not saying that God moved Mickey to the top of the list so that he would receive Christ or that Bobby Richardson would pray for him that day. But I remember talking to David, and he didn't seem bitter and angry about it anymore. He just said, hey, did you hear what Bobby Richardson? He prayed with Mickey Mantle at his bedside. And again, I don't think, I really, I struggle to think that that was of God. I, I, I think it really was an injustice because Mickey Mantle moving to the top was putting other people's lives in danger. And it is possible that someone did not survive because they didn't get to the, they did not receive a liver. And so, I mean, that's possible that happened. And I don't think David would say that was of God any, either. But I was so amazed to see him say, the grace of God was shed abroad in his life. And for that I can be thankful. Working in the vineyard, working, being part of God's kingdom is challenging and draining at times. And I don't know about you, but I want to live my life to the fullest. And I want God to be glorified. That's how I view living my life to the fullest. Being glorified in all that I do and all that I say. And I pray that for you as well. Richard Foster goes on to write, When the poor receive the good news, when the captives are released... When the blind receive their sight, when the oppressed are liberated, who can withhold the shouts of jubilee that come from the followers of Jesus Christ? Yes, let's be the workers in the vineyard. Let's go out at the early hours, this young phase in your life, this early stage in your life, and allow God to use you to the fullest for his glory and for his honor. He's calling you to a deeper discipleship. He wants us to be a people of forgiveness. He wants us to be a people of gratefulness. Will you choose to be grateful? Now, I won't test you and go up to you. Have you written down five things today that you're grateful for? And I won't test you to say, how are you doing today? And expect you to say, I am blessed and highly favored. 
But I challenge you to ask me that. I challenge you to ask me that. We are an academic community, but we are an academic community of faith. We are supposed to encourage and support one another. So I pray that you will be a people that are truly grateful and truly give God praise for all the good things he has done in your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you that we can be citizens of the kingdom of heaven and that you call us to advance your kingdom in so many real and powerful ways, whether that is being voice for the voiceless, talking about injustices in the world and taking on responsibility that you call us to take on that are very draining and taxing at times, but thank you also for the peace that surpasses all understanding when we know that we are doing the work of the Father. Now, may we be grateful for all that you've done for us. May we be grateful that we have an opportunity to earn a college degree. May we be grateful that we have professors standing before us today that could probably be in other positions making a lot more money, that could be at bigger schools with more prestige, but they have chosen to invest in these students. May we be grateful for that. May we be grateful for those people that have gone before us, those older ladies in the church and the older men in the church who sometimes didn't understand us as teenagers and we didn't like singing their songs because it seemed old and out of date. Thank you for the investment they've made in our lives. Thank you for the food in the cafeteria. For we know there are tens of thousands without food today. Thank you for the clean water we have to drink. For we know that children will die today because they do not have clean water. May we be a grateful people. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace.